0: Armando Salguero joins us in 20 minutes. Welcome back. Just like that. The second hour is here. Outkick 360. Hutton and Withrow with you from, from Nashville. 6th and Peabody with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad and I are in a great mood. Hope you are too. And, hey, we've got fresh music outside. Normally, they're playing the same playlist over and over with the cover band that's here. Not the case today. Not the case. a little uh,
1: Eagles, Elvis. I heard Elvis earlier. George Strait. Yeah. In the Ghetto by Elvis. I heard that as well, Hutton. Yeah. Um, Randy Travis right now, by the but way. I, I respect this uh, band that's here at Six and Peabody yeah. every Friday because, first off, they're very talented to be able to play just anything on command, but they, they, they dictate a high dollar amount to get the song that you want. Yep. through their Vidmo or through their tickets to, to go it. do it. And they know how to work the crowd to get money to get the song that you want played. And how quickly – I'm always amazed at these bands, how quickly they can just say a couple things about the key they're going to be in or whatever it is, and they just go with the song and know how to you know, free-form it as they go, even if they haven't done it yeah. before. It's pretty cool.
0: Sean McVay sticking with the Rams. Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator for Bama, is leaving Tuscaloosa for Ole Miss – Uh, to join up with Lane Kiffin. Um, Those are the recent headlines of the day. We'll get to some others, including Jadavian Clowney and Al Michaels in just a moment. But, Chad, let's start with Aaron Rodgers and his future in Green Bay. In his final press conference, I say final, final of the season, and he'll certainly be on uh, McAfee moving forward. But the last, what, 48 to 72 hours, he has wrapped up a... One-on-one meeting with Green Bay management and with Lafleur, Lafleur,
1: Lafleur. Um, by the way, if you do not understand the Lafleur yeah. reference, then you need to go and watch the 2004 gym Dodgeball. Please go do that immediately. Once you do that, then you'll be able to understand our Lafleur. We reference. should do a live stream watch along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Ringer has the rewatchables. We should. We we should just you know the people who like. Well, there's there's people who get tons of views by. Uh, watching someone play a video game or commenting on the video game. Like the the live watch along could be a thing. And Dodgeball would be our first film. Chad, we're Uh, we're speaking
0: this into existence. We could do that and we could do it live right out here and have people join us on the big screen. I love it. I
1: love it. They've got the outside projection screen. Yes. Um,
0: So here is Aaron Rodgers. And let me set this up. He, He receives a question about if it's his final game at Lambeau as the starting quarterback for the Packers what he's going to miss the most and the pause you're going to hear I hope doesn't send the delay uh into an alarm at some of our affiliates but I'll speak over if I need to because he takes a long pause and he starts to joke and then he ends with the truth and just by listening to it it hasn't received a lot of coverage this week but just by listening to it just initial reaction I want everyone just to think about okay is he staying or is he gone here's Aaron Rodgers this is it, Aaron. Last one. Is it last time out there, or last time here? What
1: are you gonna miss? Mm.
0: Taking a drink of water.
1: I'm gonna miss your questions, Bill.
2: <laughs>
1: and Mike Clemens taking ten seconds to do a lead up.
2: <laughs>
1: and Pete angling for something. And Bob writing stories about my personal life (laughs) you've been good lately though thanks and jason bringing it back home with something that is kind of heavy hitting stephanie sutton coming out of left field good question i miss the guys i miss the fans
0: yeah thank you that's how he ended his presser that to me tells me that he is more than one foot out the door. I don't know how else to take that. And I realize this is right after a loss to Detroit where they missed the playoffs in a win-and-end scenario. But Rodgers thinks through a lot more than people believe he does in advance. He's not stupid by any means. No,
1: he's a very thoughtful guy, even with and, his answer there. He that waited great. a while to respond. It, it
0: was fantastic. But I don't think he's done with football, but I think he knows like they're about to go through... A, um uh, an offseason where they need a lot of other pieces and he could win somewhere else. I don't want him to. I, I prefer to see him stick it out and play his entire career with
1: one one franchise, especially that one. What do you, what do you think? So I, I'm with you that I, I like to see guys who are legends in one place stick it out with one place, but I'm also selfish in that I want the biggest stars to play and be relevant all year yeah. and play in meaningful playoff games. I don't know that that's likely in Green Bay right now. So is it more likely with uh, the Raiders? Is it more likely with another possible destination, the Jets? I I don't know. I I don't necessarily think so right now. Um, So I would lean to him wanting to come back, but I just want Aaron Rodgers to be around and be relevant. I want to be on a good team. I want to be talking about him in December as a team you know is going to be in the playoffs and could make a run. I love watching Aaron Rodgers play quarterback, and I like to watch it as much as possible. And maybe I'm being a little greedy or selfish here, but I'd like for him to be in a situation, whether it's Green Bay or somewhere else, where he's going to be on a good competitive team that's going to be playoff bound. And I want to watch him in the playoffs. I'd have to go back and listen to that too, based on the audio and the video we just saw from from Aaron Rodgers. It sounded like he said, I miss the guys, I miss the fans. Not, I'll miss them and miss the fans. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it almost sounded like he let it slip uh, where he maybe, says, "I yeah, already missed them." I didn't hear it like that. Yeah, I, it was. He said it kind of quick, but it almost sounded to me like he said, "I missed. I missed the guys. I missed the fans, yeah. and not I will miss them." Based and on that, what, what's going to happen, I,
0: I'm not trying to oversell. It. That is a typical answer from a player of what you're going to miss. And if you ask former players, what do you miss the most? It's the locker room and it's the fans that you've connected with. So he's saying exactly what I think any player would say. It's just the the way he was thinking through by mentioning all the local media members that have covered him and the stories they've written recently and then pairing it up with the answer to the question and then ending it there that's you know another cliffhanger and you know he's
1: he's into the saga of this also, but we
0: haven't heard about how the meetings went, which is also intriguing.
1: Yeah, I like, I like how he joked around with all the media and called them by their names, Yeah, people that he's worked with for years, and he kind of gave the what he expects from them in every press conference about what he'll miss the most. Uh, I thought that was really cool to connect with media members that have spent a lot of time covering him uh, over the years. We we know uh, Rob Domofsky pretty yeah, well, yeah. Uh, who we've had on a bunch, who's covered the Packers and I think probably covered – Farvin isn't. I mean, not Fav. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in his entire career. Yeah, that's in yeah. Green Bay. He's been there yep. covering them for ESPN for so long. So pretty cool to hear him talk about some of those local media members.
0: No one's covered Jadavian Clowney for an entire career because he bounces around quite a bit. Uh, some of it's due to injury. Some of it's just due to not producing, and many of it is combined. He was here for a year in Nashville with the Titans after leaving Houston. No go. Try to get healthy. Couldn't stay healthy. He's been banged up this year too in Cleveland, but he came back for another season, and now he's out the door. And it's well known he wants to keep playing. It's not going to be in Cleveland. And Chad, the, the top player in Cleveland, uh, other than Watson, but even better than Watson, is a future Hall of Famer in Miles Garrett. And Clowney, in some comments, made it known
1: that it was about Miles Garrett. Let me give credit where credit is due in this beef, and this story. And surprising maybe to some, I think credit's due to to both men Mm. involved in this because Jadavion Clowney had a pretty clever complaint about the Browns and, and Miles Garrett. And, you know, he tried to say, I don't even know that Miles knows this, but the problem with this team is the Browns are more concerned with getting Miles Garrett in the Hall of Fame than they are winning games. That's a pretty smart critique of a team in a situation, right? Now, Miles Garrett is great, and he's better than Jadavion Clowney. So any criticism of him sounds like you're crying over spilled milk because you're not as good and you think you're better when you're really not. Now, you shouldn't be saying that to the media, I would say. Now, I'm all for a guy being honest, but it's not going to sit well when one of the leaders of the team is who you're talking about and you're talking about the entire organization's use of that team leader with Miles Garrett, but then I give credit to Miles Garrett because he had the perfect response. Yes. And he said, and I quote, I knew he was frustrated. We've all been frustrated. We're not winning. I wish he could have talked about this man-to-man. I wish he would have handled it a little bit differently. Garrett then described his relationship with Clowney as, quote, cordial, but then when asked whether he'd welcome Clowney back, Garrett said, quote, and I'm going to start using this also, I want volunteers and not hostages. (laughs) If you feel like no one believes in you here, then go where you feel like you're wanted and loved and appreciated. And that, to me, strikes at the biggest criticism that Garrett and probably the rest of the team has of, of Clowney. He's a man that's constantly aggrieved, right? He's constantly not getting his love, his due, his credit, his playing time, his opportunities, whatever. And that that's going to wear thin. Whether it's true or not, it's going to wear thin in any organization, and I think that's probably the case with, with Clowney. But I also don't, I don't know of a team who was pushing to get a
0: player into the Hall of Fame, setting up a game plan to allow their top player to flourish. That ends up being a bad, that, that, that makes that a bad decision. Right? Yeah. Like, if you're a Hall of Fame player, a guy, and Garrett will be, um, I don't know why you wouldn't set certain expectations for
1: a defensive system around him. I don't, to me, you, that's, not a, let, that's not a
0: downfall of the Cleveland yeah, Browns. You,
1: uh, yeah. I, I, again, I thought it was a clever way to describe what was going on. I don't know it's necessarily true. And um, if you've got a future Hall of Famer, you let that Hall of Famer eat. Well, that, that's what coaches have to do what, so, in those settings, right? So happens, there's nothing wrong with
0: that. But what happens, though, when you play with a Hall of Fame caliber player, you also benefit from it. You know, if you're playing the opposite side for Miles Garrett, you should be good. Like you're also allowed to go out and produce, and I'm I'm picking through a comment here, a flippant comment by Clowney, who hasn't produced to the near level of of Miles Garrett, but he should also flourish opposite I, I, him. I
1: would need I would need more uh, background color to find out what exactly the specific complaint is.
0: Yeah, because yeah, football fair.
1: oftentimes is made to be you know more. It is complicated in a lot of respects. But it's made to be more complicated than it is. I don't know how you can overcomplicate Miles Garrett being a wrecking ball and going after the quarterback. I guess maybe the one criticism, uh, Tyler, who's our resident Browns fan here, will probably have to tell us about this in the break, is he saying that he doesn't defend the run the way you're supposed to and he's constantly going crazy and going after the quarterback or he's getting out of his spot because they're trying to set him up to make plays in the backfield when really he should not be doing that. Because if it's any complaint about, he needs to rest more on third down or needs to come out on second down so I can come in the game. Yeah, no one's buying that because that's not true. If that's what he's, if he's trying to insinuate, he needs to come out more for me to come in for the team to be better, then no one's gonna buy that.
0: The game for Al Michaels is going to be better. Uh, this week. He's calling Jags Chargers. I say that. I'm expecting that based on the schedule from Thursday Night Football that he's wrapped up with Amazon Prime for year number one. But with uh, The Athletic, Michaels was chatting about calling the game for NBC and was extremely honest when it came to actually comparing the schedule for Thursday night versus a playoff matchup that he receives. This week. And the quote was from from the Amazon people, nothing but support. I think they understood what this was. We're making the most of it. I mean, you can't just oversell something. Do you want me to sell you a 20-year-old Mazda? That's what you're asking me to do. I can't sell you a used car. I've kind of gone down that road a little bit in games that have been bad in the past, but this game was horrifically bad. What were you supposed to do at that point? And away I went. And that's just one example of that awful matchup earlier this year with the Colts and here he is comparing the Thursday night football keep in mind this is a billion dollar contract for Amazon with the NFL and he, he compared it to a 20 year old Mazda and he's right but I would I mean Al Michaels in this setting is getting paid a lot of money and he always would would have I just there was a noticeable difference in the overall product of his broadcast. Not the game, but his broadcast that I was disappointed in as an Al Michaels fan. I, I love the guy. Legend. Uh, I put him at the top of the list of broadcasters that define my fandom of the game. and He's, you know, he's the voice for me throughout uh, my NFL uh, childhood and, and fandom overall. And he wasn't the same, and that he wasn't the same from the jump. And I was disappointed in that more than I was the schedule for Thursday night football.
1: So my favorite broadcasters, they tell me and they don't sell me. Mm. So I'm fine with Al Michaels being honest when a game's bad and just calling it yeah. bad. And uh, I love the moment with him in Herb Street where he asked him about, you know, you know, sometimes a game can be so bad that it's almost good. And Herb Street's the one who said. I don't know. I'm not ready to go there yet. I don't, I don't think that this is that's the case with this game. I love that. You know, if you're calling a college basketball game on a random Wednesday night in January and it's two teams that are winless in their conference, I'm fine with a little bit of a reverence in the second half about what's going on or, you know, hey, here's what you got to focus on when you're not having a good year or there's not many people in the, in the stands. Don't make it something it's not. Hey, I can hear guys eight rows up talking right now. In this game, because no one's here to watch yeah, these two yeah. teams. You, you don't have to make fun of the situation, but you can be honest about the situation if the game's good or bad. And I love that about Al Michaels. I love that about my favorite broadcasters. I've got no big issue with how they talk about bad matchups between teams not going to the playoffs, or even a bad matchup or a bad game between two teams that are going to the playoffs. Whatever it may be, tell me, don't sell me i don't need someone to sell me on why i'm already watching the game the game sells itself you're you're covering the nfl people are going to come people are going to watch amazon prime and prime prime video did very well with streaming this year i mean they they did fine with people watching the game so pay your broadcasters that are talented let them do their research and then let them tell us about the game i don't need a sales pitch
0: and the main point he was making was the Indy Denver game. I just I thought he was he sounds bored, and he's not going to be that way tomorrow when he calls the Jags Chargers game, regardless of how the game goes, because he'll ba- he'll be back on NBC, he'll be back on uh, the Peacock, and I was disappointed in that. It just didn't seem like the same Al Michaels in 2022, behind the mic on the mic for the NFL broadcast, the guy who always brings the energy, never bored. Armando Salguero. NFL headlines and a preview of all of the Wild Card Weekend matchups that's straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
2: Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
0: Audiences are
2: falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: Fall guy. What's like the poster said.
2: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because
1: I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. at PG-13.
0: Outkick oh, 360 rolls on. Chad, did you see where uh, PETA? They want. Georgia to retire the mascot Uga, Uga the Bulldog. Because it's uh, you know, cruel cruel to animals. That's their recent plea.
1: They just wait for a national champion or a world champion probably. to complain about that because probably. Uh, you could have complained about a live bulldog as a mascot at any time. You just yeah. wait until you're the most high profile. What PETA does, I've found, is if anything's in the news for any reason. It's just an excuse to send out a statement, a press release, when, but to complain about it. And this is just now that Georgia won the national title. Oh, now's the week to complain about Bulldogs. Let me tell you something about <laughs> Bulldogs. Um, I could argue for their extinction in general. Wow. For this reason, I think they're cute. I'm not for killing dogs, wow, but the extinction uh, from an evolutionary standpoint for animals, they make no sense. They're born to not breathe properly. Like it's a they, very tough life for a bulldog have you been around a bulldog yes a person where I mean they're snoring constantly everything's a struggle yes for the bulldog like they don't make a lot of sense uh for as to why they've existed for so many years like this other than they're kind of cute they were bred to like they they were over the history of the
0: breed they've I mean specifically they ended up not being able to breathe very well based on how they were bred and I, I don't know why this came to be but they made this happen through uh, it seems almost years cruel. and years of this I yeah.
1: watched the uh, I watched the bulldog and it seems almost you know cruel to watch it just try to but, sleep take a nap but I'm thinking like of all the things to complain about if you if you're pETA um, these dog
0: these animals hit the lottery you know you've got Smokey on campus at Tennessee Every need that dog has is pampered to and cared for. I really got a blanket on on the sideline where I can go down the street from my family farm and find dogs out in the cold where they're begging for a hay bale to dive into. Like it's just craziness, yeah. And and the idea that this is—it's just the next thing, And, and they get every headline whenever they get the opportunity. To uh find a live mascot after a national championship.
1: I think if PETA refrained from dumb statements like this mm-hmm. about the Georgia Bulldog's mascot, this one bulldog who's treated like an absolute king. Yes. And if they just I'm sure PETA does something that's productive. <laughs> I don't know the organization inside and out. My point is like I'm sure they've gone after people who, you know, fight with dogs. Sure. Dog fighting and animal abuse and things like that, too. That's a productive way to go about the organization. If they spent just all their time on highlighting where they've gone after dog fighting rings and animal abuse situations and dogs being killed or cats being tortured right, yeah. or this and that, and that's all they talked about in their press releases, and they went after that, I think we'd have a different opinion of PETA. But all we hear about are these dumb releases because they go after right dumb Q. things too much. Right on cue. So there's, there's my there's my two cents on how to improve PETA. We could see Armando Salguero,
0: and we say hello to him as he's preparing to head to Buffalo yet again to cover the Bills and Dolphins matchup as we get underway in the NFL postseason, which kicks off tomorrow afternoon with the Seahawks and 49ers. Armando, hope you're well, and uh, here we go. The NFL postseason never disappoints. Can't wait to kick things off. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm just, look, I'm just trying to get an air conditioning unit as nice as the one that Ugga has. There you go. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Exactly. You know? Yes. Uh, That would be very cool. And I'd like for someone to, like, rub my belly when I'm feeling a little down. I'd like for someone to just feed me and sleep 18 hours a day uh, when I feel like it. So, I mean... You know, I mean, not a bad
1: life. Ugga's treated like a Saudi prince, basically, for <laughs> his entire life. I mean, if someone's feeding grapes to him, uh, it's a it's a pretty good life for Ugga. A uh, pretty good life for Armando Salguero. He gets to go back to Buffalo uh, two times in, in three weeks. Armando, settle this for me. Ask Hutton this. When you go cover a game in Buffalo, in Orchard Park, where do you stay? Do you go downtown Buffalo, or do you stay close to the stadium?
2: I stay in Amherst. Okay. And... So you probably neither one of you probably got it right. I have a
1: brother-in-law from Hamburg, which I think is close to Amherst. Maybe
2: the reason that I stay in Amherst is they have an actual Marriott, and uh, I am a Marriott aficionado because I like free vacation points, and also that was the hotel that the uh, the Miami Dolphins would stay at, like in the like 1990 and Don Shula would put them there because he knew that they wouldn't get in trouble. (laughs) And and so that's where they stayed. And that's where I stayed. And I've been doing it ever since. The place did have a disco back in the day. I will say that for it. No longer.
1: Armando one to 10, give us your level of surprise. If the dolphins with five minutes left in this game have a real shot to win this game with it being within one score tied something close
2: one to 10 uh 5,000
1: <laughs> we agree by the right? way yeah
2: yeah uh you know i mean it, it's i'm writing a preview right now for outkick.com because i work for outkick.com as you know uh, and one of the things that i'm looking at is Dolphin fans are going into this game expecting terribleness, expecting the worst, expecting a blowout. And I got to tell you, I I kind of understand. I get it. Uh, You know, you watch last week's game in in which Skylar Thompson played against the New York Jets and how he played in that game and how the Dolphins offense played in that game. And it doesn't suggest that they're going to light up the scoreboard against the Bills in the playoffs in Buffalo. But I look at the San Francisco 49ers by comparison. You know what? Um, The San Francisco 49ers, like the Miami Dolphins, they're starting a seventh-round draft pick rookie. Like the Miami Dolphins, they've lost their first string quarterback, they've lost their second string quarterback. They are starting a player that was the last guy picked in the draft. Skyler Thompson was picked ahead of uh, Brock Purdy. And yet in San Francisco, they're not expecting to write a horror story in the playoffs. They are expecting to go into the playoffs, starting this week against the Seattle—I uh, almost said Supersonics. <laughs> uh, this, this, yeah,
1: they should be really. back. By the way, they—they they, they should bring the Supersonics back to Seattle. They to should. your to your credit, the,
2: the Seattle Seahawks, and they're expecting to you know mop the place up with the Seahawks and and go forward. So why is it that the narrative for one team is? You, you're starting a seventh round pick rookie you've got no shot and then the narrative for the other team is, wow, this is great. you're good. everything's good. you you might go to the Super Bowl.
0: I think part of that answer is one's playing Seattle and the other's playing Buffalo.
2: Yeah well it, it's it's weird because uh, the Dolphins lost to Brock Purdy. So,
0: if if Thompson gets hurt, is the backup Bridgewater or Glennon?
2: Uh, it, look, Teddy Bridgewater right now is doing everything that he can to be able to play in that game, or at least, I say to play, to function. Okay. Right now, he is not functional. Um, and so, he's getting closer to that. He's hoping that by Sunday, he will be there, but... Uh, that that's a decision that is not set in stone yet
0: matchup tomorrow night between Jacksonville and, and L.A. Armando I mentioned earlier I was saving this for, for a discussion with you what are the odds that both of those quarterbacks Herbert and Lawrence come out and have a great game or is it more likely that one of the two comes out flat I I feel like one of the two takes a big step forward, and this is a big moment for them winning that playoff matchup and moving forward. And the other one is still kind of, you know, we're questioning where they are. And I realize Herbert's had the perception that he's at that level already with the young crop, but this is big for him.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's enormous. And I would say to you that whatever happens, Jonathan, um, those two guys are just so special. And Trevor Lawrence is a year behind uh, Justin Herbert. And you see what he is doing now. And it's just, uh, he has grown up before our eyes and he's grown up by leaps and bounds. It's to the point where he is now, um, he's trash talking defensive players. Like, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is on the field. You know, you remember, you guys remember the Mike Singletary um, moment on NFL films where he's, you know, talking to some other guy on some other team. He goes, I like that kind of potty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Trevor Lawrence was doing that last week. He was telling some defensive player, I believe on the Titans,
0: a backup probably.
2: <laughs> maybe uh you know you hit me hard i love it when you hit me hard <laughs> i'm not right and i'm thinking oh my god this kid he doesn't know that he's a quarterback in his second year he 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 doesn't realize what he who he actually is but guess what i love it and jaguars fans love it and in talking to you know Doug Peterson He loves it because that speaks to a confidence and a growth. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson didn't strike me as a trash talker ever under Dabo Sweeney. Um, I like what he's doing under Doug Peterson.
0: And on the flip side, on the opposite sideline, you mentioned Peterson. What about Brandon Staley? And are you buying It's the McCarthy effect where if they lose this game, he could be out?
2: Yeah, you know that as uh, Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator is a very good defensive coordinator, right? But I would say to you that Brandon Staley as a head coach is a very good defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator. Um, I'm not a big Brandon Staley guy. Um, I thought he, he made a mistake last week, and now it's been proven to be fair. Uh, he played some of his stars and played in them for a long time. And guess what? Uh, you know, Joey Bosa got nicked up in that game, and they lost their best receiver for this game to a hip injury. And Mike Williams. I'm not a big fan of Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley uh, eventually will show us and and will show us that some guys were meant to be coordinators and some guys are meant to be head coaches. He's got a long way to go before we can say that he's meant to be a head coach.
1: Armando, we were talking earlier about trying to sort of power rank the games this weekend and which games would be the most compelling and the closest. Uh, I'm excited about Wild Card Weekend, but I look up and down the stretch, and there, there's some blowouts there. One of them, probably one of the games you're covering, but one that jumps out to me that could be a lot of fun in a perverse sort of way, maybe, Vikings-Giants on Sunday afternoon. Do you feel like this has the makings of a really close competitive game?
2: I feel that a lot of – look – The Giants have been underestimated by a lot of people the entire season, uh, including the Minnesota Vikings, who, you know, obviously are a better team and played the New York Giants earlier this season. I would not be surprised if the New York Giants go to Minnesota and do what no one expects them to do. What they did last week, they they played philadelphia they sat like 80% of their starters and the reason they didn't set they didn't sit 100% of their starters is there was not enough room on the roster to be able to do that they sat 80% of their starters and gave the eagles a game <laughs> okay uh, th- look the all pro uh Ballots came out today, the all-pro teams. And part of that balloting includes Coach of the Year. I I voted for Brian Dayball on Coach of the Year.
0: Completely agree with you. And, uh, hey, Mike McCarthy was around that area midway through the season. He was in the discussion based on what they were doing and the fact he entered the season in the hot seat knowing that Sean Payton's available. Um, and then we saw what happened. And it, part of the reason why I would put him in there is because he was doing it with Cooper Rush, whenever Prescott got hurt midway through the year. Um, but McCarthy and Prescott, one game does not make a career. But Prescotts, they—it's time for him to take off, or not. Maybe he's just the guy he is, and that's probably the answer. But if he's not, another step. Ahead of where he is currently, Armando. McCarthy's gone. I I don't know. I I don't buy what Jerry Jones is saying about everything's great. It's not going to be great if they lose this game.
2: Well, I think how they lose this game, if they lose this game, is important too, Jonathan. I think that um, they can't have a repeat of last year where at the end of a winnable game, they basically just brain lock and do stupid stuff and lose because of they're doing stupid stuff. If they go to Tampa and they, you know, they're leading the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady comes, you know, pulls one of those patented Tom Brady drives out of his uh, quiver. (laughs) Does this, and pulls a a great comeback drive out of his quiver of little comeback drive arrows, then, you know, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to knock the coach on the other side that the greatest quarterback in the history of the game did to you what he has done to countless other coaches. That, I mean, that one is, is not a fireable offense. But if they get all if the Cowboys come out and look like foofs and and you know penalties galore like they've often been under Mike McCarthy and the substitution patterns are weird and the team doesn't look ready to play, yeah, we're we're talking <laughs> the call to Sean Payton the next day.
1: Uh the one question I have about Cincinnati and Baltimore uh, does not revolve around Tyler Huntley versus Joe Burrow. It's a simple question. Has your opinion of Lamar Jackson changed at all this season based on him betting on himself in the preseason? It's not his fault to get injured, but this is now, I think, 10 straight games from December 1st on that he hasn't played Armando separate of playing the first half on December 4th this year. Has it changed your opinion of him moving forward at
2: all? As a player, no, it has not changed my opinion of him as a player. I I still think he is a great, great, not good dual threat quarterback. Great, very dynamic player, very dynamic. But uh, you know, there's more to 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 players than just their their skills on the field. Durability is an ability, as Bill Parcells. Uh, used to tell me. And so his durability is in question now because it's not just this year and you laid it out, you know, Chad, what has happened this year. He wasn't available to that team at the end of last year either. And it's not that he doesn't want to play or expose himself. That is not the case. The guy is trying to get right. He has an injury that I was told Takes it's a it's a borderline grade three PCL strain. That means, according to someone I spoke with, that it's going to take him at least three months to be right. And we're not three months down the road from the injury. We're more like what is it? Uh, six weeks. Six weeks. So he would have to be superhuman to be able to have that knee correct and be able to do what he does, which more than most requires that he has stability in the knees. So no, I still think he's a great player. I just don't think he's as durable as what we thought. And the Baltimore Ravens are gonna have to consider that as you know, because they've got contract uh, decisions to make with Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract, no matter what injuries or whatever else may come.
0: Armando Salguero, our guest, he's headed to Buffalo to cover the Bills and Dolphins. Um, am I wrong to assume we've been assuming all week that Demar Hamlin will be in attendance for this game?
2: That's a good assumption, and I hope it it happens. I, you know, not for the Dolphins' sake. <laughs> that would be. That would be more bad news, right? Because I'm telling you guys last week I was in that stadium and it was electric.
1: Yeah.
2: And then it, it was a thunderbolt from Naeem Hines uh, when he did what he did in the opening kickoff. And by the way, he did it again later on. Uh, <laughs> but that kind of stuff is the stuff that feeds our uh, a team And you could see it. It was palpable on the Bills' sideline. There was no moment during that game where I'm thinking, yeah, the Patriots are going to win this game. No. (laughs) No. No, they weren't. No, they weren't.
0: Armando Salguero has been our guest. Thank you, man. Uh, We look forward to the coverage this weekend, as always, and we'll catch up next week. Enjoy Amherst. Thank you. There's uh, Armando. You can catch him uh, outkick.com and of course on Twitter. Very simple, just follow him by name at Armando Salguero. The Amherst that's
1: Marriott. That's where that's where you can find That's Armando Probably this where weekend.
0: we were. That's north. Uh, Colin told me that's north of Buffalo, so that's probably where we've stayed. It's just you know the revolving door of NFL teams and staff.
1: You know what? It's not though. That air though. It's yeah. Not the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Which it's is not far and superior. It does
0: not live up to expectations of what you expect. Uh, from, from Niagara Falls. Uh, Chad, when we come back, the NCAA has changed the, the portal transfer rules uh, for stricter eligibility. We may laugh in the face at this when we come back because, you know, who who knows where we're actually headed and how they enforce it uh, based on what's granted recently and what hasn't been. All that more straight ahead, Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. Coming up in 10 minutes, massive implications for the quarterbacks starting this weekend across the NFL. Outkick 360 rolls on. The NCAA Council has updated the guidelines for the transfer portal. It's still extremely easy to move around. They're supposedly making it tougher to do it multiple times. And this is the second time they've updated it in a handful of months here. But just reading through the council, they voted unanimously to upgrade the guidelines for the waiver process for undergraduates who are transferring for a second time. And the waiver request will be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. But moving forward, student-athletes must meet one of the following criteria to be granted a waiver to, to compete immediately, meaning for a second time, you can do that immediately for a first time, of course. A demonstrated physical injury or illness or mental health condition that necessitated the student's transfer, and you just need documentation, or um, circumstances that clearly necessitate a student athlete's immediate departure from the previous school, unrelated to the athlete's athletic participation. Now, participation there is interesting, Chad, because it may not, I could argue it's not always about how much playing time, but whether or not you feel like your your coach holds a grudge or NIL has allowed someone to jump you, so it's not for me anymore. I am I was starting, now I'm not, but it's based on the, the politics of things, not what's happening on the field. Here are my stats to prove it. I think this is relatively easy, even though it's supposed to be tougher.
1: So I, I think NIL is key here mm-hmm. when you use that because to me what this is trying to accomplish is to not allow athletes that are making NIL money to simply double and triple dip in NIL. So not to leave a school simply for financial reasons. If you go somewhere as a freshman and make a ton, you're not going to then enter the transfer portal and go somewhere else and make a ton. And then a third time, so the second transfer, it would be a lot harder to do that. If it's clear that's what you're trying to do as a player. And In terms of extenuating circumstances, two come to mind with... You know a team we we cover in this state in Tennessee, um, Cade Mays, his father sued the University of Georgia, so he left the program. That's an extenuating circumstance. Mm-hmm. There was because of an injury that was suffered at an event. You know, okay, my family suing the school. Grant me immediate eligibility somewhere else. Also, my family lives here. Um, Brew McCoy at Tennessee was involved in an allegation at USC that went in front of the USC. Council of Conduct, and not necessarily with the authorities, the legal authorities. Well, that became an issue with the school. That's an extenuating circumstance. You know, if you're saying, well, I'm innocent of this, but it's caused a problem with the university, that has nothing to do with playing time, you know, nothing to do with the coach or anything else, but I got to leave this situation and get away from it and go somewhere else. Those are a couple of things that would warrant that second transfer for someone now the, the moving case forward. case-by-case deal. Yes. But the,
0: that's the demonstrated physical injury, mental health condition, something else documented, right? But the they're not trying to show that you can just move around if you prefer a different position, right? Or you want to open up to free agency a bit. I I like that they're trying to make it tougher, but they're also really scared to sit back and actually make it tougher, right? Yeah, like, it's, by, by just saying no. Case by case, but... You have to prove, if you're trying to do this a second time, that it is necessary for your well-being as a as an athlete. And I don't, it, they're never going to do that just based on the the lawsuits and everything else involved, and the the contracts at one school that may not be honored. Going back to NIL, going back to Florida. Yep. Um,
1: but see why, now, this would also I, be
0: that's not the NCAA's problem, but they've sat back and allowed
1: this to happen i think 90 percent of this is they don't want people to double and triple dip in money yeah but that's an extenuating circumstance for Jaden rashada right right. if his family sues the gator collective because they signed a contract they're not honoring well now i got to go somewhere else because i'm suing their collective precedent that they've allowed it right coming up headlines and we start in the
0: nfl with the postseason that kicks off and the quarterbacks that have a chance to really rise it starts with mr irrelevant that's next